Amen. We have been going through study on uh, the first psalm, psalm number one. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. We have been talking about the blessed man. The blessed man. Amen. Uh, I know that from our previous conversations, previous studies, that we we all want to be the blessed man. Praise God. And so we, Lord willing, tonight we'll finish this series. I hope, as with any time that the Word of God goes forth, that you have been taking what has been taught and applying it to your life. Praise God. That's, that's how we become the blessed man. It doesn't just happen. You don't just get it by osmosis by sitting uh, in a service where this is taught or preached. Uh, you have to take what is taught or preached and apply it to your life. Amen. And so we are, uh, Lord willing, going to finish our series tonight and uh, continue from here to seek to apply the word to our lives. Amen. Psalm 1. Verse number one, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, everybody say his delight. His delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Amen. So as we began our series, began this study, um, we have been looking at this man that has been called blessed. What is it in verse number one that this man does that makes him blessed? Okay. So he doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Okay, so so from the things that he doesn't do, what are we what are we making observation that he does do? The opposite of what he doesn't do. So he is rejecting the influence. So that's what he's that's what he's doing. So because he he's not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, because he's not standing in the way of the sinners, because he's not sitting in the seat of the scornful. He's rejecting those influences in his life. And folks, even, you know, we, we, we like to say that we're not doing certain things, but what we need to do in order to not do those things is reject. Reject those things. When we, when we repent of our sins, one of the things that we do is not just uh, uh, staying away from sin, but it's it's we abhor or hate sin. 
And so that's what the, 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 the blessed man, he's making a choice. Because that's what it boils down to is you're, you are surrounded by these individuals. You're surrounded by these, these, these influences. So you have to make a choice. Every day, multiple times a day, different people in your day. You've got to make choices. And the blessed man is choosing, choosing not to walk under the counsel of the ungodly. He's choosing not to stand in the way of the sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. It's a choice. It's a choice. Who you allow to influence you is a choice. Amen. There will be people in your life that you you simply can't get rid of. You hear me talk about you know uh, cutting off those those relationships you, but there's some people in your life that you just simply can't get rid of you can't just not see them but you can choose not to allow them to influence you in the ways of of the ungodly or the sinner or the scornful amen and so that's what the blessed man does is he recognizes the influence and of those influences, he rejects those that are ungodly, that are sinful, that are scornful, that are worldly. Now, anytime we, we get rid of something in our lives, especially as we seek to uh, walk with the Lord, when we uh, get rid of things, what do we need to do? So we've, we've cast off or rejected or gotten rid of things in our lives. What's the, what's the next step of that? You've got to replace it with something. You've got to replace it with something. And what, what are you going to replace it with? Well, the blessed man replaces that ungodly influence. He replaces the philosophies, as Paul calls it, the philosophies and vain deceits. After he gets rid of those things, he replaces that, the blessed man does, with what? What's the scripture? Verse number two. The law of the Lord. He delights in the law of the Lord. And that, that word delight, remember, that, that means that he's going to bring it close. That means that he's going he's gonna to not just read it, he's going to study it. He's going he's gonna to essentially uh, spiritually eat that, that law. It's going to be more precious to him than his daily food. So he's going to delight in the law of the Lord. That's the replacement of those ungodly influences. He's going to delight in the law of the Lord. And with that law, it's not just going to be a reference book on his shelf. Right? So he's going to delight in it. He's not just going to look at it and say, that's a, that's a nice book. That, that looks nice on my shelf. He's not just going to open it up like some people do with the, their family Bibles and leave it open on their coffee table to collect dust because he wants everybody to see it. No. In his delight of the law of the Lord, he's going to meditate on it. He's going to think about it. He's going to dwell on it. As he reads it, he's going he's to take it in and, and let, it, let it become a part of who he is. 
That's what that, that meditation does. It thinks about, dwells on the word of the Lord. How does this apply to my life? How does this change the way I'm living? And folks, it doesn't do a whole lot of good if you're not willing to be changed by it. That's what meditation does. Because it starts to cause you to think about your daily living. And how does my daily living line up with the word of the Lord? And so the blessed man rejects, makes choice. I'm going to reject the counsel of the ungodly. I'm going to replace it. I'm going to delight, enjoy the law of the Lord. And on that law, I'm going to meditate day and night. That's what the blessed man does. And so from there, the blessed man, because of his choices, he will be, as, as the writer tells us, that he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Remember what that word planted, uh, the word, actual literal word in the Hebrew means? The actual literal word in the Hebrew means to be transplanted, to be moved, to be changed. So, so the tree was planted over here, now it's planted over here. I used to live and walk in the ways of the world. Now I'm living and serving and walking in the ways of God. I used to live in a, in a dry and barren land. Now I'm planted where there's rivers of water. And what happens with a, with a tree that's planted by rivers of water? Its roots go down. It seeks out the water. And because the roots go down, the roots spread out, it is grounded, it's founded, it's, it's, it's unshakable. Though the, though the, the leaves and the, the uh, branches get blown to and fro, the tree itself is solid and unmovable. So the word of the Lord, when he delights in the law of the Lord, it roots him. Folks, we are in an ever-shifting, ever-changing world. And just because the world is changing does not mean we have to change with it. Yes, please, update your clothing a little bit. Yes, please, update your hairstyles just a little bit. But that's not what he's talking about. When we are planted, rooted, grounded in the word, the law of the Lord, then as the world shifts and its philosophies and, 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 and ways of thinking shift, that's what we're talking about. When those things shift, the blessed man is grounded in the word of the Lord. Praise God. And the word is from everlasting to everlasting. It will not change. Amen. So uh, the blessed man is rooted, planted by those rivers of water. And because of that, he will bring forth fruit. And who is the fruit for? Is it for the tree? 
That's right. Don't be ashamed. Speak out. It's for everybody else. So when the blessed man brings forth fruit, the blessed man is blessing others. And what's so important about that fruit when the, when the tree brings forth fruit, if you're the tree, if you're the blessed man, what's so important about the fruit? Others are taking it? Yes. Okay. What's that? Within the fruit, what do you find? The seed. The seed. And the seed is the Word of God. When you bring forth fruit, the fruit cannot be separated. If you're living as the blessed man, the fruit will have the seed of the Word of God. And that seed, when it gets planted, will bear forth more fruit. That's what happens with the blessed man. Rejecting the world, its philosophies, its vain deceits. Abiding in, loving, meditating on the word of the Lord. Letting it root him in the law of God. And he will be like a tree. And his leaf shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Somebody say amen. Isn't that just a, a beautiful promise? Anybody want that promise? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So we, as we finish this series tonight, we move into the next three verses. And this, these next three verses, we read about the ungodly. After all of the imagery of the blessed man, that he would reject the counsel of the ungodly. He would not stand in the way of the sinner. He would not sit in the seat of the scornful. That the blessed man would be planted on purpose like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. He would bring forth his fruit in his season. Wouldn't wither or faint or fail. And whatever he does will prosper. But the ungodly are not so. That's what verse 4 starts out with. So after the, the writer tells us all about the blessed man. The choices that he's making and the results of those choices. Verse number four, the writer tells us that the ungodly are not so. So take everything before that and just, just apply the opposite of the ungodly. The ungodly are not so. So all of the imagery applied to the blessed man, flip it over Make it the opposite, and that's what the ungodly are. That's what the ungodly do. The ungodly listen to ungodly counsel. In fact, they even seek out ungodly counsel when godly counsel is given. They reject it. They do their own thing. Unless, of course, it aligns with what they want. That's always a, a precondition. The ungodly, they will stand in the way of the sinners. That will be the path that they choose for their lives. They will sit in the seat of the scornful and mock the things of God. They're not rooted and planted like a tree as the blessed man is because they're blown about with every wind of doctrine. And they're not fruitful with blessed fruit. 
Let me, let me make sure I qualify that. They're not fruitful with blessed fruit, but rather with the fruit of corruption. The ungodly will faint and fail, and prosperity will be fleeting for them. Who are these ungodly? The ungodly are those who are morally wrong. They are the guilty. That's what the word means in the, in the Hebrew. They're morally wrong. They're guilty. They're wicked. Those that simply do wrong. If you can check off any of these on this list that I just gave you, you most likely will be classified as ungodly. If you find yourself rejecting the counsel, uh, godly counsel, which it happens all the time in the church. Some people, even some people in our church, reject the counsel of the godly. If you find yourself walking in the same direction as sinners or thinking like sinners, you might be ungodly. If you tend to see the church and its service to God as foolish and unnecessary and tend to talk down about the church and the Lord himself and, and the leadership of the church, that might be you. If you're constantly changing direction and confused or convinced by philosophies and teachings that stand against the scripture or a proper biblical worldview, then you might be the one that the psalmist is writing about in verses 4, 5, and 6. It's time that we take an objective, biblical self-examination and see where we stand. You see, the ungodly have some descriptive applications that apply to them as well. The ungodly, he says, are not so, but they are like what? Like the chaff. The chaff, what's the chaff? The chaff is uh, husks of corn or other seed that are separated by winnowing or threshing. When you think of grain, the ears of grain, the part that is not the seed, the part that is not the grain, that is chaff. Like chopped hay or straw that's used for fodder, basically the chaff is worthless. It's trash. So the ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff. There are different processes of separating chaff from the seed or grain. First, there is the beating of grain in order to break it free from the husks and separate it so that it can be useful. Folks, we don't break free from the flesh without uh, the, the beating of our flesh under submission. You know exactly what I mean. It's not an easy thing to submit. And so our flesh needs to be brought under submission. Paul said that we can mortify the deeds of the body. In other words, crucifying our flesh. It's the mortifying, it's the crucifying, it's the dying out to the flesh that allows us to accomplish what the apostles said 
to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. That's like the wheat being separated from the chaff. Who or what are we coming out from? The chaff is the sinners, the world, our flesh. All those things that are, that are ungodly influences in our lives. In all of the processes that, that have been used uh, at the time, there's, as far as separating the seed from the chaff, there's always wind associated with it. To separate the wheat from the chaff, there's always wind associated with that separation. Because what they do, and, and they do it in varying forms, but, but they would slowly pour out one bowl of the seed. Uh, after they've beaten it, they pour it out into another bowl. And in between there, they either have a fan of some sort or a fire that, that is pulling the, wind, pulling the oxygen so it's creating wind. And so uh, through that process, the wind takes the chaff away from the grain because it's not, it doesn't have the, the, the substance associated with it. It's not as heavy. It's not as dense. So they, another process is they, they throw, you've seen this on, on different shows, they'll throw the, the wheat into the air and the chaff will be blown away. As we seek as children of God to crucify our flesh, we need to let the wind of the Holy Ghost drive the chaff far from us. Let me put it the way Isaiah, Isaiah records it. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 6. He said that the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. All the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the Spirit of the Lord, what's He doing? He's blowing upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. And so in that separation of the, the seed, from the chaff, there's, there's a wind, and, the, and Isaiah calls it, the, the, says that the Lord is blowing upon it. There's a separation taking place. The chaff is being separated from the seed. Amen. If you're not careful, and you're the ungodly, your warning is that there will be a day of separation. There will be a day of separation. If you don't choose to do it, here if you don't choose to do it at a place of repentance and submitting to God and let him breathe upon your life by filling you with the Holy Ghost then that day will come on a different time and you don't want to find out what the separation is like then Matthew chapter 3 verse 10 gospel writer records it this way he says and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees therefore every tree which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire 
Jesus said, I indeed baptize you with water, or sorry, uh, this is John the Baptist. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will truly purge his floor. That, what that means is the separation of the chaff and the wheat. He will purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. What happens when the chaff is separated? It's burned up with fire. It's burned up with fire. Job spoke of the wicked and the reward that the wicked would receive. In Job chapter 21, verse 16, He said, Lo, their good is not in their hand. The counsel of the wicked is far from me. How oft is the candle of the wicked put out? And how oft cometh their destruction upon them? God distributeth sorrows in his anger. They are as stubble before the wind and as chaff that the storm carries away. We've been talking about the blessed man. The blessed man makes choices. The blessed man is seeking the Lord out. He's delighting in the law, the word of God, and meditating on it. And it's causing him to be grounded, rooted, and bring forth fruit. Unshaken, unwaver, unwavering by the, the whims and the workings of the world around him. But the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff. And there is coming a day, a time of separation. If it's not taken care of here, if it's not taken care of at a place of repentance, there will be a day when the chaff will be separated from the wheat and it will be burned in fire. Hosea speaks of Ephraim's glory vanishing because of idolatry, because they were giving themselves over to ungodliness. In Hosea chapter 13, verse number 1, when Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Baal, in other words, he started serving uh, false gods, uh, he died. And now they sin more and more. And they've made themselves molten images of silver and idols according to their own understanding. All of it, the work of the craftsmen, they say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore they shall be as the morning cloud and as the early dew that passes away, as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor and as the smoke of the chimney. Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt. Thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. When those people chose to walk away from serving the Lord as he has commanded, when they chose to give themselves over to idolatry and serving false gods, when they chose to make unto themselves idols uh, under the hands of the craftsmen, they became like the chaff that would be separated from the wheat. But the ungodly are not just like chaff. What does the scripture tell us in, in Psalm chapter 1? It tells us that they are like the chaff which the wind drives away, Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in 
the judgment. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul is telling the church that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He wrote to the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 14, verse number 10. He said, Why do you judge your brother? Why do you set at naught uh, thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. What the psalmist said is right. They shall not stand in the judgment. Oh, they may come before the Lord and in that moment stand, but they will indeed kneel. They will bow themselves before Jesus Christ. Just because they choose not to hear, just because they choose to walk in their ungodliness, in their sinfulness, just because they choose not to bow the knee now, when that day comes, every knee will bow. Don't expect, expect to blame your salvation or lack thereof on your pastor. Don't expect to blame your salvation or your lack thereof upon the church or someone in the church. They did this to me or that to me. Scripture tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Every one of us, as Paul said to the church in Rome, he said, we shall all give account. He said, he shall give account of himself to God. You give an account for you. Every person for themselves. And so uh, our choice is to bow the knee now, to crucify the flesh now, to submit to God now. Is that thing that you're so stubborn about is that worth the risk of judgment? Is that thing that you want in this world worth the risk of separation from the Lord for eternity in the pit of hell? And so they shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In other words, the ungodly shall not be counted among the righteous. They shall not be a part of the church. Folks, we, we ought not try to fool ourselves or try to make people feel better about themselves. I don't, I don't necessarily want to tell people that, that uh, and, and put myself in the place of God's judgment. I'm not the one that's going to send people to hell. But we can sure warn people. We can sure let them know that there's a better way. Amen. Because if they're not part of the church, if they're not saved and walking in, in the, 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 the way of the Lord and walking in godly fashion and righteousness and holiness, the judgment of God will come. And it will be the time of ultimate separation. In Matthew 25, verse 31, Jesus is talking about this very thing. He says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with him. Then he shall sit 
upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all the nations, and He'll separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So the question is, are you a sheep or a goat? Are you the chaff or the wheat? Are you the blessed man or are you the ungodly? It matters not what others have said about you. It matters not what you've said about yourself. Because Lord knows we, ought, we, we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. It only matters what Jesus speaks of you. Matthew 7, verse 15. Jesus warns and says, Beware of false prophets which will come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they're ravening wolves you shall know them by their fruits remember the blessed man brings forth his fruit in his season the ungodly doesn't mean that they're not going to be fruitful but their fruit will be fruit of corruption how will we know them we will know them by their fruits do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Again, Jesus says, Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Verse 21, remember, it only matters what Jesus says. Verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, in thy name have done many wonderful works. Jesus said in verse 23, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Amen. Let's stand together tonight. I know you're not used to me teaching so short. But in the final verse of Psalm 1, final verse, verse number 6. The psalmist brings this, this writing to a short conclusion. He says, The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So the contrast, the, 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 the uh, view of, of the blessed man against the, the contrast of the ungodly. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. 
It's not mere mental knowledge that the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But rather, when it, when it tells us that he knows the way of the righteous, that word know entails familiarity. That word know involves relationship, like family or close friend. Has not Jesus spoken of us as family? Are we not joint heirs with Christ? Has he not called us his friends? That word knowing, when he knows the way of the righteous, knowing entails closeness. It entails intimacy. That there's relationship. But the ungodly walk in a way that leads themselves to destruction. Just to repeat the words of Jesus in that passage of Scripture that we just read in verse 23. He says, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I would that we would all be blessed men and women of God. I would that we would all live as this blessed man that the psalmist is writing about. Why is the way of the blessed man known to the Lord? Why is the Lord familiar with his way? First, it's because that's the, the purpose and the plan, the direction that he has given for us to follow because his word is what the blessed man is living by. But also, and I, I end with this, if the Lord knows the way of the righteous, we know who the Lord is, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And he himself said, I am the way. He is the Word made flesh. And so dare I say that the closer we get to Him, the more like Him we become. He is the Word incarnate. And so as the blessed man, delight in the law, the Word of God. Get to know Him. Walk with Him. If you walk with Him, you can't walk any other way. Amen. Amen. I want to be the blessed. I hope that you do as well. That when we leave from here, that we continue to pursue the Lord and His righteousness, and His holiness, and that we pursue and delight in and meditate upon the Word of the Lord every day. Praise God. And you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth your fruit in your season. Amen. Lord, we love you so much today. We are indeed so very blessed, Lord, just to be in this place, to be in your presence. We indeed are so very blessed, O oh God, to have relationship with you, Lord, to know what it is, to, to commune with you, to pray, God, to have that place of, of uh, fellowship with you in the Spirit. 
And I pray, God, tonight that you would help us, Lord, to continue our pursuit of you as we open up your scripture, as we uh, consume your word and, and make it a part of our lives. Lord, I pray, help us, God, to cast off, Lord, uh, in our, all of our decisions, cast off the, the ungodly influences, Lord, and to bring unto ourselves you, to draw close to you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would be our focus, that you would be the preeminent one in our lives. We love you. We want to serve you. We want to walk with you. And ultimately, Lord, we want to make heaven our home and abide with you forever. We give you praise and glory in our living. We honor you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Dismissed in Jesus' name.